Hey, Bankless Nation, welcome to another State of the Nation episode where we talk about something hot that is going on in crypto. Today's episode, what could be hotter than this? The apes bought the punks, David. Okay, Yuga Labs, biggest NFT acquisition in history. One, one, for, the, one for the history books in, in all of crypto, I think, made a massive purchase of CryptoPunk IP from Larva Labs and also um, purchased some punks and other assets along with that, I believe. We're gonna be talking about that today. David, what's the topic and who do we have in our conversation on today's State of the Nation? Yeah, this has really caught the NFT ecosystem by storm. People always uh, speculated that at one point in time, some NFT brands will start buying the IP of other NFT brands. But I don't think anyone expected that the second largest, the biggest uh, brand that has come out in the NFT mania, the Bored Apes, would buy the most original, most OG IP out of the CryptoPunks from Larva Labs. So like, It's like saw- Ethereum buying Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is a Sorry, maybe take, that's sir. a bias take. <laughs> uh, so there's been a lot of um, just questions about what does this mean? What does it mean for people to own NFTs, but have that be separate and distinct from the IP of those NFTs? What is Larva Labs going to do with the CryptoPunk IP? Do the CryptoPunks like this? Uh, is this bullish for CryptoPunks? And if the, are the CryptoPunk owners allowed to not like it, yet it still be bullish? Uh, so we're going to unpack all of these things on today's State of the Nation. To talk about these things, we have Zeneca33, who you guys probably are familiar with. He's a frequent contributor to the Overpriced JPEGs podcast with Dry, uh, Carly Riley. Overall, NFT connoisseur, uh, owns more apes than he does punks, but owns both. So... There's that. Also coming in, uh, you guys know Andy8052. He's uh, the, the founder, co-founder of Fractional, which fractionalizes NFTs. Uh, he's got a punk. He is perhaps on Team Punk. Uh, and of course, last but not least, we got Scott Lewis, co-founder of DeFi Pulse, Slingshot, and Hype. Hype is an NFT uh, lore platform if you like to talk about your NFTs and give them stories. Also a CryptoPunk diamond hander, perhaps also on Team Punk. So these are our three guests. They're going to give us their perspectives as what this means for CryptoPunks, what this means for Yuga Labs, and what this means for the NFT ecosystem overall. It's that last piece that I think is the most interesting case study overall. What does this mean for NFTs, right? This is a a fantastic case study, and we get to see this play out in real time. Also, speaking of real time, David... You ever lose you ever lose track of all of your wallets? Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. This is a way where you can always keep track of your wallets in real time. This is called Zerion. Uh, you just plug your MetaMask wallet in, plug your ledger in, you get access across all of your wallets. Now, um, that was a beautiful thing on Ethereum alone. I've been a Zerion user from like day one, as soon as they spun up an interface. But now the problem I have is I've got all of these wallets across layer twos and other side chains as well. Well, Zerion has added the ability to aggregate those wallets too. So I actually know what's in my wallet. This is not my wallet. This is an example wallet. I kind of wish it was mine because, you know, pretty, pretty okay NFT uh, profile. But you can see here, I could just flip from Ethereum to Optimism to Avalanche with the click of a button. I also have the ability to like bridge. And this is huge too. This is the year of bridging, isn't it? Bridge Where if you want to go from Ethereum to Polygon, you could do that in one click in Zerion as well. So David, what should folks do? 
uh, with Zerion. Yeah, you sh- there's a link in the show notes to go load up your wallet and it will tell you everywhere that you've ever engaged with across all the chains and it'll let you do all of your things, all your multi-chain things all in one spot, including look at all of your NFTs that you might hold in different wallets. So not only does it let you look at all your wallets on all of the chains, but it also lets you look at all of your assets across many, many wallets, across many, many chains. So it is the ultimate aggregator to, uh, it's like a battle station, Ryan. It's like, you know, it feels like you got like multiple screens. You're at a command and control center. That's what Zero yeah. is. Makes you feel like a badass, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. And this is cool in the NFT section. You can actually look at the, the, the value of all your NFTs by floor price. They added that feature recently. So go click on the link, connect your wallet to Zerion. David, I got to ask you the question I ask before we begin all of these State of the Nations, which is what is the State of the Nation today? Ryan, the state of the nation is branding. And I actually think that this is the crux of the issue because mm. Bored Apes are a brand. CryptoPunks are a brand. And that's really what IP is. And so when we are discussing, discussing what this means for NFTs, what this means for the apes and the punks, we're really discussing the value of these new metaverse brands, these new digitally native brands that exist exclusively on the internet. Rather than rather than transcending or starting physically and then moving on to the internet, these are starting on the internet. And these are really the fundamental questions of brands in of themselves. So Ryan, we are just, uh, the state of the nation is branding. We are branding the future right now. That's super good. I know a term you've used in the past too is this, this term called headless brands. So mm-hmm. we're exploring a new type of brand, right? This is like a new age digital clout how to acquire it. And I think the story of, of um, what happens with the apes and the punks will become super relevant into the future as the metaverse builds out, as crypto builds out, as we figure out what the hell we do with these digital property rights. Guys, we're going to talk about what all this means in just a minute with our fantastic panelists. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. So you've got some money, but how are you going to use it? You want to spend you, me shopping now bro when you know you should be saving you'll never buy a house at this rate but what if you could spend and save at the same time for the enlightened kind with inquiring minds a new world awaits set yourself free with completely flexible self-repaying loan technology supported on desktop and mobile seize the power of alchemix allowing you to spend and save at the same time. Leverage your wealth without risk of liquidation. Take out a loan that repays itself. By using yield from your deposit to pay off your balance, your only debt is time. What was once inconceivable is now within your grasp. You're winning some. The Layer 2 era is upon us. Ethereum's Layer 2 ecosystem is growing every day, and we need L2 bridges to be fast and efficient in order to live a Layer 2 life. Across is the fastest and cheapest and most secure cross-chain bridge. With Across, you don't have to worry about the long wait times or high fees to get your assets back to the Layer 1. Assets are bridged and available for use almost instantaneously. Across's bridges are powered by UMA's optimistic Oracle to securely transfer tokens from Layer 2 back to Ethereum. Across is critical ecosystem infrastructure and ownership is being handed over to the community. You can be a part of this story of Across by joining the Discord and becoming a co-founder and helping to design the fair, fair launch of Across. If you want to bridge your assets quickly and securely, Go to across.to to bridge your assets between ETH, Optimism, Arbitrum, or Boba Networks. 
Living a bankless life requires taking control over your own private keys. And that's why so many in the Bankless Nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet. And brand new to the Ledger lineup of hardware wallets is the Ledger Nano S Plus, a huge upgrade to the world's most popular hardware wallet. With more memory and a larger screen, the Nano S Plus makes it easy to navigate and verify your transactions. And the paired Ledger Live desktop app gives you increased transparency as to what is about to happen with your NFT. What you see is what you sign. The Nano S Plus gives you the smoothest possible user experience while you're doing all of your crypto things. So go to the Ledger website to check out the features of the new Ledger Nano S Plus and join the waitlist to get yours. And don't forget about the Crypto Life card, also powered by Ledger. The CL card is a crypto debit card that hooks right into the Ledger Live app, right next to all the DeFi apps and services that you're already used to doing, like swapping tokens and staking. So if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, go to ledger.com, grab a Ledger, and take control over your crypto. Hey guys, we are back exploring this massive acquisition in the NFT world, uh, Apes by Punks. What does that mean? We've got some excellent panelists I'm about to introduce you to. Before I do, wanna go over a few quick things in case you haven't been following what's been going on. Uh, so on March 11th, Board Apes Yacht Club creators, Yuga Labs, they just announced their acquisition of CryptoPunks and also MeBits, which is a sub CryptoPunks uh, type of brand collections from Larva Lab. So that happened on March 11th. To give you guys some context, CryptoPunks and Bored Apes are like the number one and number two NFT projects. And it's not even close. You know, everyone else kind of trails off. So Punks, their market cap is around $1.6 billion for all of these Punk JPEGs, okay? Massive amount. Apes, if you include the Apes ecosystem at large, is just under that $1.4 billion, okay? So we're talking $3 billion worth of digital property rights. This is massive. This is close to 20% of the entire NFT market. These are our two brands that have really entered mainstream consciousness. You see a lot of celebrities sporting N uh, NFTs that are either bored apes or, uh, or crypto punks in some cases. So we wanna talk about what this means because for uh, Yuga Labs, for, for Bored Apes Yacht Club holders, um, Yuga Labs immediately revealed their plans to grant all holders of CryptoPunks basically the same commercial rights that were available to the apes, which the punks didn't have before. We're going to get into that. Um, Yuga Labs has also said, and we'll see if the community believes this, that this acquisition is going to be really good for punks and also really good for apes. So. Let's talk about what this means. Is this good for apes? Is this good for punks? Is this good for NFTs? What does this mean for crypto? We're gonna go over all of the implications. I wanna introduce you to our guest. The first is uh, Zeneca, who's an NFT connoisseur, community leader. You've, you've heard uh, him on Overpriced JPEGs podcast with Carly Riley. Zeneca, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, I've heard Zeneca, you are maybe team ape a little bit skewed, but you also hold uh, punks too. So maybe it's not accurate to call you team ape. <laughs> yeah, I bought my punk like two months ago. So I'm a very recent addition to the punks, but I have both. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then we have Andy8052. He is the founder of Fractional, Fractional NFT platform. He's also been on Bankless before. More team punk, I think. Andy, how are you doing? Hey, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Uh, definitely. As far as my bags go, skew team punk, but I am <laughs> an ape fan as well. Awesome. We also have uh, Scott Lewis, who's the co-founder of DeFi Pulse, also Slingshot. He is a crypto punk diamond hander. Uh, team punk, I think, Scott, do you have any apes? I do not have any apes. I really like the project, but I do not own any apes. 
All right. Well, these are our panelists today. We're going to dig into this topic. Um, first, guys, let, let's talk about this 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 first issue here, which is like commercial rights to owners versus unwanted brand managers. This is kind of a contrast a point that we're going to talk about a little bit. But uh, as we do, I think it's important to to ask the question: What were punks actually missing before? Like, what did the punk community want? Were there some licenses that they didn't have, some abilities they didn't have that they really wanted? Uh, Zeneca, why don't we start with uh, you for that question? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's tricky to answer because the punks or the punk community, it's its a large community. It's like thousands of people and different individuals have different wants and desires. I think certainly there was some subsection that did want uh, greater commercial rights because maybe they wanted to, you know, turn their punk into a brand and under the, under Lava Labs, they, they couldn't Lava Labs, you know, had restrictions on what you could do with your punk. Uh, but on the other side, I think there's probably a considerable amount of the uh, community who are pretty kind of happy with how things were with like this hands-off approach. It's like there's crypto punks, there are, you know, we're not trying to commercialize it. Lava Labs is not trying to do anything crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, I think, uh, if things had continued as like Lava Labs were hands off and doing nothing, people were probably fine. But over the last year, we saw Lava Labs like make some questionable decisions and that maybe ticked off a few punks holders as well. Uh, it's hard to say, honestly. Andy, what would you add to that? Yeah, and no, I think that covered it really well, to be honest. I think a lot of what CryptoPunks owners really wanted more than anything was just for Lava Labs to like, at the point where they were clearly weren't building massive things for it, just to like kind of never talk about them again. Um, and I think the real issue people took was, okay, we don't have rights, but you're also doing weird things and making like takedown requests against punk derivatives. And that kind of stuff was really the crux of what some people took issue with. So Scott, what would you add to this? What kind of rights did uh, the punk holders actually want? Yeah, I think there were like two or maybe two and a half, like kind of like solutions that people were hoping to see. I mean, the, the first was that I think a significant portion of the community uh, just wanted punks to go CCO um, and and sort of let uh like let it, everyone use any punk imagery however they wanted. Um, and then I think there was kind of like one and a half options that were different types of ownership. Uh, one was just sort of like, which I, I was actually in favor was the Yuga Labs style full commercial rights. Um, and then I think there was like a little so the community that would really preferred kind of the rights go to a DAO that punk holders would then govern um, and sort of like full community rights, but more like collective ownership rather than individual ownership. Um, and yeah, I guess like in sort of like in a, maybe is that irony? Uh, when Yuga Labs bought it, we ended up getting Yuga Labs style, like full commercial rights, which, yeah. So there's something I definitely want to, to drive home about the nature of punks that is, I think is a really integral point of this story. CryptoPunks being the very first profile picture NFT project before so many people even wore their punks as their profile picture. It was the, the first OG project that came around and, and b before really NFTs had the monetary value that they have now. And so the, it has this branding, it has this culture, it has this style that's very unique and very crypto native. Um, they're, they're pixels, they're called punks. It's a reference in my, in my mind is a reference to the cypherpunks. Uh, and it's, it's very decentralized, which is very true to the nature of, of cryptocurrency, where the Larva Labs 
never took a leadership position. It never considered the CryptoPunks as their project, but as something that they just birthed and gave to the world. Uh, and so that was kind of the ethos that I think really attracted a lot of, uh, you know, early OG crypto people and kind of why CryptoPunks are associated with like the kind of the Ethereum OGs. Um, yet that wasn't totally pure because as you guys have alluded to, the Larva Labs were doing things that, while, while they did kind of have this hands-off approach, they didn't also completely unrestrict uh, the brand of CryptoPunks to be let loose. Uh, and, and so this, I think this is really the crux of the issue where when Yuga Labs purchased the CryptoPunks IP, some people are on the side of, um, this is great. Now we have somebody actually uh, allowing CryptoPunks to have the full commercial rights. And then there are other people who are like, well, CryptoPunks were, have never been about having a brand manager. Uh, we don't want any leadership position on our decentralized vibe. Uh, and so I'm, I'm wondering, question to you guys, which side of the, of the, of the, of the aisle do you fall on? Do, like, do, you, do you think that this is a bigger offense to have a brand manager to taint the CryptoPunk brand? Or are you more interested in seeing what a centralized team can actually finally do with the CryptoPunk brand? Uh, Zeneca, I'll throw this to you. I think to what Scott was saying before about how there's a camp wanting the CryptoPunks to go CCO, I, I would have, I think, liked to have seen that just because, as you mentioned, sort of this was born out of like the OGs, the early, the cypherpunk movement. And I think the community was really into like the decentralization aspect of it. And even with Lava Labs, uh, they were largely hands-off until this year, as far as I'm aware. And then Yuga comes in and is sort of taking the Board Ape Yacht Club model and just applying that directly to CryptoPunks. And we haven't seen, you know, what other plans they might have. I think that they alluded that they're planning to be relatively hands-off. And, and this is the first just big thing they're doing, giving full commercial rights. I mean, I, I think there's definitely a, a time and a place for centralized entities to take ownership of a brand and steer it in a certain direction. Yuga has done that excellently with the Board Apes. But I think, to me, it's probably not the right approach for the CryptoPunks. I think I would, I'm a huge fan of CCO and I think that they would thrive more under that model than uh, just going, you know, Hey, it's, it's similar to the apes. We're, we're going to take it. We're now considering it our brand, I guess. And, and we're going to see what we do with that. Andy, similar question to you. Which side of the aisle do you fall on? Are you bearish because uh, we have an unwanted wanted brand manager or are you bullish because now punk owners are going to have commercial rights? I've actually had a pretty big change of heart here from when it first happened to now, uh, after just having more time to reflect on it and talk to people and think about it myself. But I think I kind of at the start, I thought it was not great. I didn't really love it. I think that definitely some, somewhat hurts the narrative of punks um, as it kind of, I think there's like now kind of this chink in the armor to just the idea of being like the OG project that did stuff because the IP has changed hands, at least just like in my mental thinking about it. And so to me, I was like, oh, that's not great. I don't like it. Um, but then kind of, as I've thought about it more, I think the fact that punks were even, the IP was even for sale in the first place just makes me think that things probably wouldn't have been run better by Larva Labs long-term. And in my opinion, Yuga Labs are like the premier NFT company and studio and if like punks had to go anywhere else i would want it to be yuga labs and so kind of just like from the mindset that i think larva labs selling them to someone else and then that other group making them cc or whatever is probably worse 
because it still creates the same like potential negative uh, things around just Larva Labs not wanting the IP anymore and all of that um, without having this really, really great smart group of people who are well-funded and are going to do cool things, building and doing stuff with it. So at this point, I think like kind of of all of the realistic scenarios that could have happened, uh, Yuga Labs buying punks is like pretty one of the best. So Andy, are you kind of like just like, oh, better than Disney buying it something like this? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, I don't like based on my understanding, I don't think that there was a world where Larva Labs was just like, hey, you know what? We don't want however many hundreds of millions of dollars we could get for this IP. We'll just make it CC zero. And so like kind of just accepting that that wasn't a possibility. I think this is basically the second best possibility and overall way better than anything else that could have happened. I think that's a, a nuance that a lot of people have woken up to uh, as a result of this, where, you know, people think like, oh, you buy your NFT and cool, you own the NFT. No, very, a lot fewer people are, are realize that there is IP associated with the entire set of those NFTs. And that IP is owned by someone. Even if you own the NFT, the IP is owned by someone else. And personally, I woke up to this fact as a result of this news and now are reconsidering. And so Andy, kind of what you're saying is exactly what, what Ryan said, is that at some point in time, that IP is an asset that will be owned by someone somewhere. And so if Larva Labs goes under, goes out of business, it, it gets auctioned off. It could have been bought by somebody that we don't like. Um, uh, I'm reminded of the uh, the Martin Skelly guy that bought the uh, Wu-Tang album uh, and everyone hates him, right? Like that could have like some, we could have had some internet villain purchase the CryptoPunk IP. So who? Who's the worst purchaser you could think of? <laughs> the, the guy that bought the Constitution. How about that guy? <laughs> uh, and yeah. so, and so, Andy, what you're saying is like, well, uh, Yuga Labs has been shown to be an excellent steward of a, an alternative NFT IP in Board Apes, and so you know, perhaps this is actually best case scenario. Is that is that kind of more or less what you're saying? Yeah, I think like I still have some relative concern around centralization of all the massive IP under one company. And all that's not ideal, but kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways there aren't very many companies or organizations i think i would be more happy to see on punk's ip yeah totally there, there's a uh, take from dc investor that i want to read off and scott i want to get your opinions on it because i know you and dc investor talk a lot at least on twitter uh he says uh as a result of the yuga labs buying the uh, the crypto punk ip i don't expect everyone to understand but it feels like my favorite corner bar just got turned into an Applebee's. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> do you share these sentiments? <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, like, I think it's like, I, I think sometimes it's like the social, the social dynamics of NFT collecting and like the different people that self-select into a collection. Um, there's like a, there's like a lot of like, they try kind of different types of people and they're all like their own little tribes in a sense with overlap with a lot of overlap and so i think sometimes it's like easy to get caught up in like the stereotype of like a punk holder and a board ape holder and like maybe forget about the fact that like you know there's like a lot of traits in board ape that came from punk right and like it seems clear to me that yuga labs understood what punks were when they were making board apes and like I, I would still think there's of course risks that like they mess up the brand and that's true of anyone that like acquires a brand that's not the original founder or in larva labs case there's also risk the original founders mess up the brand um but i think sometimes like 
because we have so much emotional attachment to the JPEGs, we kind of forget that like being a brand manager is a job you want done by a professional and like, like, um, like, like Supreme and North Face and Timberland and Vans are all owned by the same company and lots of other brands. But like, you know, North Face is still North Face. Like in, in my eyes is like just someone that like knows the brand. And like, I think like, I, I just want someone that's going to do like a good professional job. And is that like, better? Is that Scott? Is that better than a Dow owning it then? Like, cause okay. So Yuga Labs and we're, we're maybe going to get to their slide deck at the bottom. Cause that was kind of leaked. And it's like, it's like, yeah. it's badass, it's man. It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. Deck. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. And you're like, okay, these guys can execute. These guys are on it. These guys are nailing it. But like, is that better than a Dow owning punks? Let's uh, say, do you think the centralized brand management actually has some execution strengths that maybe a, a decentralized like group of punk holders wouldn't? I haven't been that impressed with Dow's being brand managers hmm. um, in DeFi at least. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's something that. Like not messing up is something that's really hard for someone that's not like a professional at doing this. And there's a lot of weird situations that have counterintuitive solutions. And I think if you're looking at like all the all the DeFi DAOs and sort of like how they ran into like really some really bad public dramas that hurt their brand values, and like you're looking at just what LL Labs did. And like I think both of them were like really trying to do a good job. It's just like what seemed like a reasonable thing to do was not at all a reasonable thing to do. It, it like versus a versus like a career professional that would take the same approach. And I, I think like the things that are really important for me is, in like liking the deal is that one, like people can actually invest money in their punks and like be able to like use them long-term and not get like that image that they create and the lore around that image create kind of ripped off by whoever down the road. Um, and I think that creates like a lot of like really cool stuff. And, and I think it's, it's more like, like, but like pairing that with what is already a very like crypto punk community does its own stuff, right? Like they're not waiting for someone else to like when dev's going to add utility. To my nft right and so it's really like unlocking and like creating like a a better incentive structure within the crypto punks community than like you know having a party at a great location that we all get to attend yeah i got i yeah. got it and I, I do wonder if like this uh the centralized brand manager thing might be like better maybe, maybe that's the way brands do need to be managed I mean, you look like a brand like apple and it came from like you know steve jobs meticulous curation like the br the brain of kind of one individual in a very small group i one thing i i, I you want to um talk about really quick is this uh the cco that you guys have mentioned more than a few times so cco stands for creative commons license i believe i'm wondering zeneca if you could just um school us a little bit on the cco license so like you don't have to get into all the details but um with a cco license for my punk does that does that mean if i were a punk holder i could um like make money on it could i like license it uh, to a, a movie house or an animation studio or a video game company 
uh, does, does it unlock me to do those sorts of things? So how does CCO unlock individual NFT holders? So I'm not a, a full expert on CCO, but my understanding is that, yeah, as we see on this, uh, this chart here, CC's or CC0 means that the content is in the public domain. There's basically, there's no license. There's no rights reserved. Uh, anyone can basically do whatever they want with the, the IP. So in the form of say, uh, board apes, Lava Labs, uh, not Lava, <laughs> Yuga Labs owns the IP and they give a license to all ape holders. That license allows ape holders to have full commercial rights to do whatever they want to monetize their ape. But it's still a license given by Yuga. Yuga can at any point withdraw that license. They can restrict that license. They can, uh, Disney can come along and buy Yuga and change that license. So you're still sort of beholden to the parent company, the centralized entity. With CCO, there, there's no there's no license. It's just that this content is now in the public domain. Anyone is free to do whatever they want with it. Uh, so generally, the way copyright works is that a uh, creative work will go into the public domain, become CCO, I think like 75 years after it's created or after the creator has died or maybe both or something like that. Um, so that's why if you go back, you look back at things like um, the works of Shakespeare, um, Sherlock Holmes, you know, things like that. They're all in the public domain. Anyone can come along and create a piece of a work using that IP and no one can sue them for it. This newly created IP, that can be, licensed differently so if someone creates a like uh the sherlock movies you know that those new movies are not in public domain that's a new form of ip but it's the original you know the very fundamental part that anyone can use and so when it comes to nfts uh we have some collections that are, have full commercial rights so apes now punks and mebits um and then other collections where they're cco so cryptodes uh, mfs nouns and basically what that means is that, again, anyone can do whatever they want with it. And so the owner of, say, I have cryptoed, or cryptodes, I, uh, if someone wants to monetize it, they don't need my permission. And I, if, if they monetize it, I can't go after them and say, you know, I want some money back. And neither can, uh, you know, the, the team or the founders of any of these projects. It just, okay. it just spawns creativity because no one is held back, basically. Yeah, so just to unpack that a little bit more, we were talking about this before the show just to really unpack this and get into the details. And they're actually kind of interesting because there's there's relation to crypt the ethos of crypto in of itself. Board apes and CryptoPunk owners, this actually isn't yet true for CryptoPunk owners. Um, uh, Yuga Labs has not yet given this, this these new license. They just have stated their intention to. Um, no one really doubts them, just to, just to clarify. Uh, but board apes and crypto punk owners, mutant apes, and everyone out of Yuga Labs, uh, as in like I'm, me and my crypto punk and Scott's crypto punk and Anna, Andy, Andy's crypto punk, those are our crypto punks, and we hold the commercial rights to our crypto punks. As in, no one can go make a movie using my crypto punk as a main character without my express commission uh, permission. And that's different from Creative Commons Open, which are the MFers, uh, the crypto toads, which are public domains. As in. Anyone can use my MFR to do anything that they want and they can adapt and change and do anything. And it's very much the most like decentralized uh, complexity at the edges version of Creative Commons. And kind of the bull case for uh, NFTs that have Creative Commons opens is that the 
the uh, there are zero restrictions on re replication and reproducibility. And that is a little bit like kind of like how we are trying to reduce the complexity of having as many nodes as possible with blockchains. Like how easy is it to re re reproduce this? And we all know the importance of memes and virality in crypto. And so that is that CCO. And so, but that's not CryptoPunks or Bored Apes. What uh, Bored Apes are in CryptoPunks is that I have the power over the NFT that I own. And so it's, a it's definitely a different ethos baked into uh, these different Creative Commons Opens and what it really means for, for NFTs. It's so funny because I see the the value in both, mm -hmm. right? It's like yeah. I see both, 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 like the, the original Larva Labs, that just flat out sucked. But but CCO versus you know full full commercial license, mm. I could see advantages to both. W what's your take, guys? Like I'm asking the panel, which is better? What do you think? And uh, Andy, maybe do you have any thoughts on this? I think like you were saying, both really have their merits. I, you know, um, Punk forty one fifty six, who's a, a huge proponent of CCO. Uh, one of the things that he talks about a lot is kind of the power of like memetics, and when you're not being you know, when you could basically make, anyone can make a derivative of anything in the project. Um, it generally is probably good for the original thing that they're making a bunch of memes about or t-shirts or whatever. It's like free branding for your NFT. So, you know, if I have some NFT that I bought for 50 ETH, if I bought a noun and then Supreme decides to put it on a t-shirt, I think it's like pretty good advertising for my noun that I own. Um, and so you can make the case that like, while I'm not explicitly making money from that, their freedom to do whatever they want without having to ask me is still valuable. Uh, but I think there's also kind of the other side of, um, you know, what if someone just makes an exact copy and people decide that this exact copy is the only one that's valuable and you don't really have a way to stop them. Um, I, I don't really know. I like, I like CCO a lot. Uh, I do think that there's, especially with significantly larger brands that already kind of have the recognition that they are important, like a punk or an ape, uh, CCO isn't necessarily as important for like spreading the word about what your thing is or seeing it kind of distributed everywhere online. Uh, but I, I definitely don't have like a super strongly held opinion that one is better than the other. Scott, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so like every, everything Andy said was correct, of course. Uh, and it's like, that for commercial rights, it is a trade-off that other can't people can't like freely do small things with the NFTs. Uh, but I think it's like sort of the difference. Like, yeah, if if Supreme is gonna put your NFT or your NFT collection on a shirt, you want to do it, and that's great. And, and I think we sort of saw that with Noun Style and sort of that Budweiser ad. Like, they kind of gave them the noun, and then they put it in the ad, and you saw the glasses for like a second or two in the ad, and that was great. But I think like the like doing the really big things with the nfts like if you had full commercial rights um and kind of maybe in perpetuity which maybe is where we're going eventually hopefully um you could actually build a clothing brand around the nft and that be the brand and so it's like um it, it's like if i want to use your nft somewhere and get exposure it's great cco and i, I think since cco also uh more closely aligns with sort of the ideology ideology and ethos of the decentralization movement. It's pretty good for bootstrapping a project. Um, but I, I think like the really chunky upside is when members of the community integrate the image of their NFTs 
in like real sustainable, scalable things they're doing, whether it's businesses or different types of projects. And, and kind of like, it's harder to do that with CCO because if I make like a whole, like if, if I make a different brand from a CCO NFT, um, someone else can just kind of like use all that value I'm creating and when they put it on their own products too. And so I think it's like a difference between like depth for full commercial rights versus breadth of exposure for CCO. So this guys, is, I, Ryan, yeah, you want to say something before we close? I, I was just going to say, it's super fascinating that like Bored Apes is taking the strategy because it does seem to be the case that like Bored Apes is going after the chunkier uh, upside as, as you're saying, it's like just going through their slide deck earlier and the celebrities that own apes right now just blew my mind. Like I'd, I'd remembered when some of these purchases were made, but like, like Bieber owns an ape and like, it's like uh, this whole list of celebrities. So if they can get the celebrities to start incorporating their own individual board apes into their brand, right? with a full commercial license that's just like exactly what they're going for so yeah. i totally see that it that that it meets the strategy anyone have anything else to add on that before we uh move, move to the next thing uh, i'll just add one one thought on cco versus full commercial rights and i think that i mean yeah i agree with everything that's been said it depends a lot on the brand and sort of like the the vision that the creators and founders have like some projects just make total sense to not be CCO. Like I'm, I always use cool cats as the example. They're a really cute family friendly type project. And so not only is uh, like when you go CCO, it means anyone can create anything. And that also means that they can create something that might taint the brand. Like someone could create, you know, these adult themes, you know, cool cats killing each other and murder. And, and like, you can't go after them. You can't say anything. It's like now, and if it gains popularity, now that's the brand and it's out of your control. It's just like, it's taken on a life of its own. And I think if you have a team that has like a really, a direction they want to take it in and maybe they have a creative director and, and build out a brand it really is important not to go cco at least to begin with and i think uh, yeah. yeah i think that's a really good point we've seen some really really interesting stuff start to come up around lore and storytelling with individual nfts from collections uh and there definitely is value there for them not having that be full cco and really be letting the community whether it's like jenkins the valet or like the Bobu from mm -hmm. Azuki or something where that community who owns it really has the full say into what is this brand building? What is the story we're telling all that kind of stuff? Well, guys, there's a whole other part of this story and that's the, really the story of Yuga Labs and what their plans are for the future. Because what, from what we can tell from Yuga Labs, they got plans for the future. Uh, they have, uh, as of last week, they've airdropped the Ape token and the Ape DAO to, to Ape holders. So we want to get your guys' opinions on that. But also, it's really important to note that Yuga Labs owns five out of the 20 top NFT projects between CryptoPunks, Bored Apes, Mutant Apes, Kennel Clubs, and MeBits. Those are the biggest NFT IP that, that exists. And one company, one centralized company owns it all. And so we want, we want to get your guys' thoughts on that. And really, what does this mean for the future of Yuga Labs? And uh, we've alluded to their deck that, th that got leaked. I, and my, my conspiracy is that got leaked on purpose because it's a really hot deck. Uh, <laughs> and we want to get your guys' opinions on what kind of what's all going on all in that uh, realm of the universe. So we're going to get to those questions right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. 
If you're going bankless, you need MetaMask. This is your tool to unlock the world of DeFi without giving up custody over your private keys. MetaMask is both a secure in-browser wallet and also a secure bridge for your hardware wallet. You can now trade tokens on any DEX or aggregator. MetaMask Swap gathers real-time pricing information across all the DeFi exchanges, allowing you to select your best price while getting all the MetaMask benefits of self-custody, lower gas costs, and increased transaction success rates. MetaMask also has a fantastic mobile wallet that I use when I'm out and about which I use to collect POAPs, NFTs, and do all my DeFi things while I'm away from home. If you haven't downloaded MetaMask, you gotta try it out. Web3 wouldn't be the same without it. Download MetaMask for desktop and mobile at metamask.io and load up your Trezor, Ledger, Lattice, or Keystone hardware wallets so that they too can get into the world of Web3. Polygon is Ethereum's largest and most vibrant scaling solution to date. With millions of monthly users and all of the biggest DeFi apps, the Polygon ecosystem has turned into a blossoming metropolis of DeFi activity. Transactions on Polygon are quick and cheap, allowing users the freedom to achieve their DeFi goals, all while being economically anchored to Ethereum. But Polygon isn't just the proof-of-stake sidechain. The Polygon team is building a suite of scaling solutions, including Polygon Hermes, Maiden, Nightfall, and Zero, all with different design choices in order to be optimized for all possible crypto use cases. If you're a developer who wants to build on the Polygon ecosystem, go to the link in the show notes to check out their fantastic documentation. And if you're a user who just wants to experience fast and cheap DeFi, you can bridge over your ETH or other tokens and start playing around with any of the thousands of applications that are available on Polygon. Bankless is proud to be sponsored by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum that lets you trade any token at the current market price. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. The Uniswap Grants Program is accepting applications for grants. Do you have something of value that you think you want to contribute to the Uniswap ecosystem? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at uniswapgrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. All right, guys, we are back with our NFT community leaders, and we want to turn this conversation to the grander story of Yuga Labs, but starting with the ApeCoin. ApeCoin and ApeDAO was launched last week, and the, the tweets read, Introducing ApeCoin, dollar sign Ape, a token for culture, gaming, and commerce used to empower a decentralized community building at the forefront of Web3. ApeCoin is owned and operated by the ApeCoin DAO, a decentralized organization where each token holder gets to vote on governance and use in the ecosystem fund. Holding ApeCoin is the only requirement for membership in the ApeCoin DAO. Guys, uh, no question, just preliminary thoughts. Uh, ApeCoin, like crazy or expected or, or what's up? Zeneca, let's start with you. I mean, it was expected in the term, in the sense that they said it was dropping Q1. So we knew it was coming most likely. Uh, in terms of the extent of it, it's it's crazy. It's <laughs> uh, I don't quite know what to think. I think we all... There were all sorts of wild theories. Like people were speculating and speculating, like what's it going to be? Is it going to be one massive thing? Is it going to be like a staking thing? Is it going to be a DAO? I think it's really smart that the way they dropped it in the form of an airdrop to ape holders, mutant holders, um, plus like plans for this ecosystem fund, as they call it, that will be governed by the DAO. And then, you know, they, they want to build out all these different things, you know, in the Web3 space uh, in terms of like culture and gaming and stuff. Uh, it's sort of like a DAO, but they, they've got this board of like this fully stacked board of people who are just like 
consumer professionals and, and can maybe help steer the initial direction of things. Uh, and they launched with like a bunch of proposals for how we want to set up staking. And, you know, they mentioned a marketplace and all sorts of cool things. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's an experiment to say the least, but it's, it's exciting to follow. Yeah. Andy, Andy, what would you say is, does this allude to with Yuga Labs plans for the apes and the apes ecosystem uh, and any other general thoughts that you might have on ApeCoin and ApeDAO? Yeah, I think one of the things that is a bit weird, I don't know how to think about it, is like kind of this separation that now happens between what is a board ape in like the Yuga ecosystem and what is ApeCoin in the ecosystem, because they're not completely coupled with each other. Apes were able to like get ape coins and seemingly in the future will be able to stake and earn more. Um, but they don't like have governance power in whatever ape DAO, at least right now they don't. I'd like to see a proposal to make that happen. I think that'd be interesting. Um, but I mean, I think it's really cool. I, it's definitely kind of at the forefront of how do you take an NFT community and turn it into a real DAO that's doing things and, and building. Uh, I'm just like, personally really curious to see how they continue to build out the relationship between ape coin holders and ape holders who may not necessarily have the same incentives or alignments um, if they don't like both own apes and ape coin. Scott, there's a, uh, I want to get your take on the distribution of this. We have 62% of ape coin went to an ecosystem fund. That sounds like a community treasury. Uh, 16% went to Yuga Labs, 14% went to launch contributors. I'm, I'm guessing that's just like agencies and third parties that help them launch the thing. And then 8% went to Board Ape Yop Club founders. How are we feeling about this distribution? Any, any opinions on that? I mean, I, I think it's all right. I, I don't understand. I don't think we know what ApePoint is yet. And maybe there's new cards that are waiting, waiting to be turned over. Um, and they know what ApeCoin is going to be. Or they're going to realize that ApeCoin has to be a bit more than it is right now. Um, and I think the distribution is fine, all right. Because um, I mean, like the ecosystem, the community pools, like you can sort of just like forget about that and then take the percentages and the other things. Uh, I think the launch contributors also included Adventure of funders of Yuga Labs. Um, so it's a lot of VCs in the distribution. Um, and, you know, they have, they have responsibilities to their LPs to return capital in the form of dollars, probably, um, so that they won't be ApeCoin holders forever. I mean, probably some of them will be, but not all. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, like, not looking at a full plan right now. And I'm not sure if they realize that or not. Well, I think that's all generally run-of-the-mill VC distribution type stuff. So maybe perhaps the distribution isn't totally an anomaly. But what is an anomaly is the market cap of this thing. As of today, it's at $11.5 billion, uh, which is a high number, uh, I would say, for an airdrop. Uh, it's actually kind of made the whole... If you've minted a board Ape and then held it and done all the gotten all the other airdrops with, with that have been involved, it's been one of the most successful investments of all time. And so I'm here personally sitting, watching these, uh, I don't have an ape, so therefore I don't have any ape tokens. And I'm sitting uh, at watching this $11.5 billion valuation. And I'm kind of wondering if I, am I, 
just like I was sidelined for the entire uh, ape run from 0.08 ETH to where it is now to 100 ETH. And I'm like, wow, am I seriously about to be on the sidelines once again? Uh, and so question to you guys is like, is it is this 10, 11.5 billion dollar valuation ridiculous? Or do you think there's uh, perhaps something under the hood here that um, uh, skeptics might be missing? Uh, Zeneca, can I start with you? I feel like it's kind of both. It seems very ridiculous on the one hand, like it just launched. We don't know what it does. And it's got a higher market cap than like, I don't know, Aave or just some ridiculous things. And then on the other hand, it's uh, if they can execute and build what they're like, it's sort of like, it's this huge community thing that's like widespread and sprawling. And like, we, we, we all know the power of memes, like Doge and Shiba. A lot of people like compare, you know, they said, well, Doge had a market cap of 50 billion. Now it's like 20 billion. Of course, Ape can be higher, but at the same token, it's kind of ridiculous that Doge has those market caps. So you, you shouldn't necessarily be trying to compare and compete with that, but it does prove the power of like this network effect and this community effect when, you know, Doge rose to prominence because people were having fun with it. Everyone was on social media and tweeting about it and Elon comes and tweets about it. And now with Ape, it's, it has some element of that where the NFT community at large are like very prevalent. And, and talking about ApeCoin, it's spilling over into the regular part of crypto. It's spilling over into celebrity life. Like imagine if Bieber starts tweeting about ApeCoin, if Eminem, well, Eminem's not going to tweet about ApeCoin. <laughs> you know, Jimmy Fallon mentions it on his show and stuff like that. All of a sudden, you now have this meme power, which has, you know, it's meme power plus, like they're potentially going to be building this whole ecosystem and have gaming and maybe bring revenue streams in. If you can start spending ApeCoin in games and other things, um, I don't know. I think it's it's it is ridiculous, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes up long term. Yeah. Andy, do you think we are stepping into the world where every single NFT project mints their own currency? Like we just kicked that we just kicked that that off with the start of ApeCoin. Yes, I think basically none of them will do nearly as well, or not none of them, but most of them will not. I think. My understanding of most of the speculation around Ape and everything right now is generally around the potential metaverse stuff that they are building. There's a very large rumored land sale that was in the um, in the docks and everything. And so I think when you compare ApeCoin to, say, um, like Sandbox or Gala or some of these other uh, like metaverse gaming projects. Uh, the fully diluted valuations are like actually not that dissimilar. Uh, and so like, then the question is, can Ape and whatever you guys building for the metaverse be better than those games and have a stronger moat? And I think the answer is like, maybe. Uh, and so that's like kind of where I think a lot of the value is kind of speculatively coming in is that this is going to be the thing that powers this massive metaverse with the most popular NFTs in it with like probably the best moat because of that. Um, whereas, you know, some other random NFT project doesn't really have those same type of engines as to why their ERC-20 token would be important or valuable. Um, and like up until now, most projects that did have tokens, it was just like farm the tokens to be able to mint more like babies of the collection or something. <laughs> and like without really much else going on. Um, and so I think that there is a couple things about Yuga and Board Apes and what they're building in particular that has like positioned them well uh, in the sense, at least based on like what people are speculating that not a lot of other projects could duplicate very easily. So 
Andy, I, I have maybe a, a, a follow-up question to that. It's like, which is sort of the, the skeptic's hat is like, what if they're just minting a token because they can mint a token and like get billions of dollars because of the meme, right? It's like, why does an NFT project, they already have a token. It's their NFT. It's called a non-fungible token. It's a token, right? It's one, uh, you know, one purchaser, sort of one, one NFT holder. It's, you know, why do we need a non-fungible piece of this? Like, I understand it just suddenly generates billions of dollars uh, given the meme, but is this kind of like more more futility token stuff that we saw in, uh, in 2017, 2018, where all these projects just launched tokens because they could and because the market wanted to buy tokens? What's your thought here? Why do you think NFT projects actually need a separate um, fungible ERC-20 accompanying their project? I think most probably don't. I think you can probably make the case that board apes also probably don't. Uh, I would say like no one needs, if you already have one set of tokens, you probably don't need another set of tokens. You could make it work some other way. Um, but I, I do think there's like this interesting potential decoupling of like community and governance, um, kind of thinking about like, there's a, a subset of people who really want to be in the Board Ape Yacht Club community and go to the parties and have it as a profile picture and talk about all the hype and Snoop Dogg and all that stuff. And then maybe there's people who like are legitimately interested in the governance of like, how do we build out this metaverse world and how do we decide on who we grant IP rights to for different things or whatever else they're building. Uh, and those two groups of people aren't necessarily gonna be the same. And so maybe long-term what we'll realize is it, made it makes sense to separate those two communities where they both can be stakeholders and have different sets of tokens that kind of offer different things where one is governance and one is like the social clout. This is really cool. Um, like, for example, I don't see a lot of people flexing the number of ape coins that they have. You see some people doing it, but you don't see most people doing that. But a lot of people have board apes as their profile picture. And so it's just maybe just different use cases for different things that are happening long-term. And a lot of that is like speculating on a much larger world that requires governing and all of this stuff. Um, and so who knows what'll come of that, but that's kind of my, if I had to defend them. I think, uh, I think another way to uh, illustrate that is that the apes, if we're taking a metaverse approach, and I think when, when we take a look into the Yuga Labs, uh, Labs deck, you can definitely see intentions to building out a metaverse. And so if, when we take that perspective, the apes, the non-fungible tokens, the NFTs, are like the nouns in this universe. And then we have the ape tokens, which is like the, either the currency or like the upside exposure to the universe, which includes governance, decision-making, kind of just how like, you know, capital is power. And then we have NFTs, which are the items, the, the nouns that you are, are that uh, run around in this universe. Uh, and so uh, I think with the intention that I think we can have uh, have pretty strong assurances that Yuga Labs wants to build out this digital world, uh, perhaps Andy, that dichotomy of just like, you know, people that want to have money and capital and power and governance over this ecosystem is different than the people that want to run around with their board ape avatars in this universe. Would you say that? Like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. One last thing. It's... Um, Yes, there's already tokens, but in the ecosystem, there's like 38, 39,000, like board apes, mutants, and dogs. And the cheapest one, a dog, is like seven, eight ETH right now. If someone new wants to join and be part of the board ape yacht club ecosystem, there was, there's not really an easy way for the average retail investor to jump in. I mean, yes, there's fractionalization, it's messy. It's just, it's just like it's hard to get exposure to this ecosystem prior to an ERC20. And now it's like anyone can jump on Coinbase and for $11.50 have one ape coin token um etc 
it helps yeah. grow, I think, the ecosystem a bit. Yeah. yeah, it lowers the barrier to, to participation down to basically the absolute minimum because, you know, that's what fungibility does. Guys, I want to, uh, I want to take a peek into this deck because it's really, really, if, if you believe in the future of the metaverse, you can see that, uh, in my opinion, the Yuga Labs is on a race to produce the first version of the metaverse. We all, when we talk about the metaverse, we all kind of talk and wave our hands like, oh yeah, the metaverse that's coming. But I think if you look at this deck, Yuga Labs has uh, the intention of winning the race to actually building out a, a metaverse. Uh, and so, so some of the lines that, that they come, um, that, that they have, uh, oh, I actually deleted the lines from my notes, but it basically tells a story of just like a team with ambitious plans to be the first version to the metaverse. Uh, and so they're, they're just talking about all the different uh, physical lands, uh, you know, excuse me, digital lands, which you know, perceive are physical in the metaverse, uh, along with the ownership of IP, how board apes are being owned by celebrities. Uh, there's land auctions up for sale. We now, we now have the board ape currency. Uh, we have board ape culture going outside of the internet and into the real world. We have physical events like Ape Fest and like the yacht party. Uh, but then also just like the potential for, for metaverse uh, events and metaverse experiences. Uh, and they claim that we are actually already living in the metaverse. And so what's missing is some sort of instantiated digital land uh, with goals and, and stories and purposes. So guys, when you see these intentions out of Yuga Labs and kind of get the gist of this deck, uh, what do you see as the future for Yuga Labs? What are they building towards? What are their ambitious plans? Um, Zeneca, I'll throw it back to you. I mean, it said it right there, a meta RPG. So it sounds like they're building this yeah, interoperable gaming metaverse, which uh, they released this video clip trailer, I think a day or two after this got leaked, which yeah, to your conspiracy theory does seem like kind of planned, but it, it sort of like shows off how there's, um, there's board apes, there's world of women, there's cool cats, there's uh, cryptos, punks, me bits, and all of them are like in this uh, car or whatever together. Um, and it just, it, it shows like the potential of all these different brands and IPs coming together in quote unquote, a metaverse, the metaverse. And they're adding a layer of, you know, gaming and ownership into that with, uh, you know, there, there's a land sale that they talk about in this. And then there, there's all sorts of like economies that they're basically building a new economy using ApeCoin as the currency, I suppose. Um, and yeah, it, it's just, it seems awesome. Honestly, as someone who grew up in nineties and early two thousands playing, you know, MMORPGs and games and stuff like that, this, it just sounds extremely exciting to me. It's like uh, something I've said before. It's like, you know, the internet up until NFTs really, and games, it's sort of like we've been playing a play mode and now it's like, this is like real, it's like poker. You play with play money, but then you play with real money. And it's like, it's a different game. And I feel like we're playing a different game now. Andy, when you see some of the uh, vibes that are communicated in this deck, what are, you, what are you seeing out of the future of Yuga Labs? I really like the deck. I, I think that they're, the general way they were thinking about this open permissionless world and all of that uh, is how I would, if I had to kind of give my wishes for how the final metaverse that people end up using would be, uh, would look. I think in general, it's incredibly ambitious and I have a lot of friends from gaming and building games like this is hard and takes a really long time. Um, so that's the part of me that wants to be skeptical and just be like, this is going to, you know, whatever everyone reading this, who's like, wow, this is crazy. Can't wait for it in 2023. I wouldn't get your hopes up. <laughs> like <laughs> it probably will take a bit. Um, but in general, I, I think kind of 
the thing that I've always gone back to with them is they've executed better than anyone else in the NFT space, in my opinion. And so I'm not really, uh, you know, I'm not happy to, I'm not going to bet against them in this as well, but it's definitely extremely ambitious. Uh, and I think, but I think they laid out everything really nicely and I'm, I'm super excited for it. You know what this uh, reminds me of, uh, and this is totally unfair to invoke this, but I'm going to do it anyways, but uh, the Pixelmon universe was kind of the same pitch, <laughs> where you had the NFTs living in this digital land, Kevin. Uh, and, and well, that one turned out to be a complete, you know, not a complete scam, but basically the bare minimum amount of deliverables to kind of check the boxes and left everyone very dissatisfied. So maybe it's fair to say that this is the more honest goal of the more honest intention of building out what the Pixelmon universe promised, but now that we now it's coming out of Yuga Labs, I think we have a lot more assurances that they are actually doing this with strong resources, strong intentions, and honorable intentions. Scott, what's your? Do you have any takes about that? I think I just really double down on what Andy was saying. This stuff is really hard to build. Like, it's like Yuga Labs has done excellent at building this like social brand, but. Um, feels like they probably need to acquire someone for like low nine figures to actually build this. And those deals are not, not easy to like close on. Um, and I think it's really hard to like have a, have an organization that's like really, really, really good at like one type of business and just be like, Hey, like, you know, we decided we want to beat Facebook at building like hard new technologies. Um, that's, it's really big challenge. Um, and yeah. Uh, there's a yeah. difference between like, uh, planning and promoting the fire festival and actually like, uh, <laughs> running the fire festival. If you guys are familiar with that, that documentary from a few years ago, um, I want to ask you another question. Cause going through this deck, you're just like also blown away by the, uh, the raw financials here. Um, I mean, like, look at this. Pretty nice uh, net revenue margins there on on the on the budget of like 2021 and 2022 for people who are yeah you can't view this on YouTube right 84 percent profit margins like what kind of what kind of digital business not even the Googles of the world are even close to 84 um, percent profit margins here it's you know uh, astounding when you're running a brand and I I guess this is a, kind of a question that that David was getting to earlier is now we have Yuga Labs that owns five NFT projects of the top 20. Are we in crypto? Are we worried about, like, we're always talking about decentralization here, um, but it looks like it's there, there's an empire that's building, an NFT branding empire that, that's being built. Is are, Should we be worried about this at all? Or is it is it fine for, you know, one company, one brand manager to monopolize so much of the NFT uh, market cap and mindshare? Zeneca, what do you think about this? I think, yes, we, we should be a little worried and cognizant that this is happening. And this is also like, we've all been talking and raving about, you know, how well Yuga has executed and how great of a company it is. It's, they're a year old, like, if that, like, Bored Apes launched less than a year ago. So while, yes, they've done excellently, executed well, built up a ton of trust and goodwill, who's to know where they're going to be in five, 10 years? Obviously, I have an enormous amount of trust in them. Um, and, but there's that word again, trust. We are trusting them to take steward of these brands and build out something um, and then not sell to someone that we all hate, not sell to Disney or, or someone like that. Um, not that what we happened? hate Disney, what, but you know, What would happen if that you know. happened, Seneca? 
So like, well, that's, run, that's run an me interesting this point because they could, right? This is they also theoretically open, could. This is also open some a conversation in the NFT space, which is like, well, if if Larva Labs can sell the Yuga, then a bigger fish can, of course, acquire. You go, and where does every big brand always end up? It's like Disney, right? So yeah. what if what if Disney were to acquire Yuga? What happens then? I mean, the, the real thing is we don't know, but presumably they would have their own opinions on the IP licensing, and it might not be as uh, fantastic as we're used to. But you got to imagine that, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, we, we don't know. They could come in and, and really just, again, because we don't own the IP of our apes or our punks yuga still owns it they license it to us so if whoever owns yuga owns that and that's something that can't really be reconciled un until or unless we look at cco projects and, and yeah it, it's it's this um conflict this paradox between you know nfts and we keep saying it's true digital ownership it's true digital, digital ownership with an asterisk unless it's cco i think so i think that's something that punk 4156 is always talking about how like when you when you separate the NFT from the IP, it's like, it's, it's just, it's not cohesive. It, it doesn't really fit in the grand scheme of things. But I mean, again, something I say is like, we live in a centralized world, no matter what, like we're all citizens of nations that have laws and regulations that at the end of the day, we have to adhere to. So as much as we love to tout decentralization and absolutely everything, there's always some elements of centralization that are like a necessary evil, at least probably for the next 50 years. Um, and I'm willing enough to place enough trust in Yuga to, you know, own some apes and have some exposure to the ecosystem and be excited by it. But I think, yes, to answer your initial question, we should be a little bit weary of this um, movement. Guys, uh, the uh, the perfect thing just happened when it comes to live streaming about Yuga Labs because uh, Verge, as of recording, just released that Board Ape Yacht Club creators raises, raised $450 million at a $4 billion valuation. This is just now dropping from, uh, from The Verge. Uh, and they, uh, they actually answer some of the questions that we were been having here, uh, where uh, they are, Yuga Labs is partnering with a few different gaming studios to bring this new world called Other Side to life. Other Side is an MMORPG meant to connect the broader NFT universe. They hope to create an interoperable world that is gamified and completely decentralized, says a uh, co-founder of the Board Apes Yacht Club. Um, yeah, so that, that news is pretty big. Uh, $4 billion valuation raised $450 million to build a corner of the metaverse. So uh, it's super convenient when big news drops, right? As you are live streaming about it. That's pretty cool. Watch out, Facebook. Yeah. So does that mean, does that mean to, in the long run, the IP and the royalties have to end up in ApeDAO? Why would that mean that, Scott? I mean, how can you have a completely decentralized, decentralized yeah. world where one corporation owns all the IP forever? Yeah, the decentralized, they did just throw that, it's going to be decentralized word out there very, not, very flippantly. Not just decentralized, completely, completely decentralized. decentralized. <laughs> so I remember uh, Yuga came out a few months ago and said that their vision for the Board Ape Yacht Club, at least, was for that to be fully decentralized. Yuga mm. itself wouldn't be. So I mean, maybe, I don't know how that fits into this. So is the valuation of ApeCoin probably speculatively based on owning the IP of Bored Apes, but also perhaps CryptoPunks too? And MeBits? I'd be more uh, okay I don't know, with that but if I wasn't think called if, ApeCoin. 
But I think if Ape, <laughs> yeah. ApeCoin goes to $100 and then goes back down to $8, they're going to have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys i think that we'll probably have to wrap it up here you guys in but before we do close you guys each have your own respective nft platform that you guys are working on so we want to give you guys a chance to kind of promote that and talk about what you guys are doing in the world of nfts uh zenka what's zen academy you want to tell us about that yeah zen academy is a, a platform a community that is focused on providing education in the web3 and specifically the nft space because of how difficult the learning curve is for a newcomer we we've all been there we all have friends who come to us and ask you know a thousand questions and i wanted to create a community that you know focuses on education and uh, like content that's founded in like logic reason and, and not like the hype and speculation and fomo so uh it's a membership community, but we are, you know, opening the doors as much as we can to people who can't pay for the membership. Um, yeah, come check us out. Uh, just follow me on Twitter and, and all the links are there. Yeah. And we will get your Twitter account into the show notes. I believe it's already there. Scott, you've been working on something called uh, Hype. You want to tell us a little bit yeah. about Hype? Yeah, so Hype is sort of like a platform for like uh, for lore and um, a little bit deeper than like the, the basic metadata that's part of like 721 standard. Um, and so like, if you're starting an NFT project and you want these, some of the NFTs that have backstories or other things, uh, other information bigger than just metadata, different types of media in the lore, um, Hype can be a platform where projects and owners can enter lore about the NFTs. And then the projects can take that as like an API and integrate that into their their website experience and then also that api is available um, to anyone else in the space analytics sites or secondary markets um, as a way to kind of create a more kind of kind of more contextual experience around a decision to like own or love more or understand a series a collection uh, shout out to the Dow punks out of Bankless Dow, who i believe have done a fantastic job adding their own stories and lore to their nfts um, Andy, yeah. coming from the YouTube comments, a lot of people really want your hat. Tell us about Fractional. <laughs> yeah, our, our hat is the rarest thing that I own, I think. Um, even rarer than my JPEGs. But uh, at NFT NYC this year, I'll have a couple available for some fun challenges to find me. Uh, but yeah, Fractional is a platform for community ownership of NFTs. Um, kind of our big goal with all of it is to try to make these trustless and kind of automated experiences where you can buy into interesting communities and things that are happening. Um, we lately have been seeing a lot of interesting stuff with lore actually, Scott. And so we should definitely talk more sometime. I think just like kind of interesting ways for people to kind of build and create uh, their own small communities around ownership of a particular NFT or a group of NFTs. Um, and kind of in the same thing we were talking about with ApeCoin as opposed to Board Ape Yacht Club, hopefully give people a little bit of an easier entry into some of these projects. That's fantastic. Well, guys, thank you so much. This has been a uh, big news, I think, in the NFT space, really important for the bankless community to, to understand what's going on. It, it just uh, will guide so many things that they decide to do next, whether they're investing, building, or just journeying into the crypto space even further. So we appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks y'all for having me. That's fun. Bankless Nation, of course, none of this has been financial advice. We don't know whether you should buy ApeCoin or not. Have no idea whether a $11 billion valuation is uh, is worth it. 
But we do know that all crypto is risky. So is ETH, so is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.